This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Newlogy, uniting supply chain communities with cloud-based self-serve data analytics. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to customers. But now, on to the podcast. It can be a long and winding road to supply chain digitization. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. companies looking to digitize their supply chains go wrong? There are a number of possible stumbling blocks. Staying on the right path requires paying equal and simultaneous attention to technology, people, and processes. We're going to talk about each of these with Christine Barnhart, Vice President of Product Marketing and Go-To-Market with Newlogy. She'll tell us how to assess the maturity of one supply chain and its readiness for digital applications and business process change. We'll define what it means to achieve end-to-end synchronization and orchestration and talk about how to address the challenge of acquiring visibility across multiple supplier tiers. And she'll share some best practices for ensuring a successful journey toward digitization. Here's my conversation with Christine Barnhart. Christine Barnhart, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Let's go on the journey toward digitization, shall we? We're going to learn a little bit about what that means. We're going to learn a bit, a little bit about what a journey constitutes. But just to start off, I wonder if you could say generally, when companies attempt to digitize their supply chains and they fail or it just doesn't work out as planned, what have they done wrong? Yeah, I think what I see is a lot of companies, they get shinied. Do you know what I mean? where there's this new technology that comes out that they care about and they're they're chasing a technology and not really understanding how that technology could be applied in their specific industry for specific use cases. And so they're, they're kind of racing in a direction, but without fundamentally understanding how it can actually improve their business, often skipping kind of key stages from a learning and development standpoint, such that you're just not going to reap the full benefit. Okay, well, let's talk about some of those stages and some of those considerations they need to be thinking about in order to really have a successful journey toward digitization. Let's start out with this whole concept of supply chain maturity. But before we do, I would appreciate you defining yet another term for me, and that is what do you consider to be a mature supply chain? Yeah, there's a ton of varying definitions there. I will tell you, I don't know that anyone is completely right or wrong. I think whatever people are comfortable with, I have used Laura Ciceri from Supply Chain Insights kind of maturity journey. I've used the ASCM maturity assessment. I've used Gartner's maturity assessment. I think what they have in common is that they are a staged approach, if you will, to applying better business processes and practices and technology kind of holistically in a 
methodical manner, kind of moving in this direction of what I would call ecosystems. So that's really what they all have in common is this recognition that supply chains are not linear. In fact, your trading partners matter. We need to be thinking, how do we collaborate better? How do we orchestrate ecosystems? And I think there are a lot of enabling technologies and a a lot of really good best practices, but maturity is about that methodical approach to the journey because it's very much a journey. It's not a destination, Bob. Like no matter how good you are, there's always the opportunity to improve and get better. And in five years, we'll be talking about the next stage of that maturity. Well, tell me more though, maybe address this in a little bit more detail. How a supply chain knows how mature it is. What are some of the tools and what are some of the considerations it needs to think about in order to assess its own level of maturity? I think there's some big buckets of attributes that we can look at at a high level. How have you designed your business processes and what tools are you utilizing, right? Do you have an ERP? Do you have an advanced planning system? Are you able to plan not just and execute not just within your four walls, but across your entire enterprise? Once you're able to plan across your enterprise and execute across your enterprise, can you do that with your trading partners? So are you cross-functional? Are you externally collaborative? Do you have tools? It's not just practices, but tools that allow you to collaborate both with your customers and with your supply base or with your logistics partners. And then beyond that, do you have tools and processes that deliver to you actionable insights, decision support, so that you're orchestrating and optimizing not just functionally what you do and what you own, but across your entire ecosystem. So I think we can look at attributes. As I said before, there's a lot of different tools out there that are are really designed to help you assess. One of the best ones that I've seen recently is the Association of Supply Chain Management's maturity assessment that's available online. Super quick, easy to do, and and like kind of steers you in a direction. And then based on that direction, you can dive deeper. So it's a bit like peeling back the onion, if you will. That's really interesting to have that kind of model to draw from, to get very specific instead of just talking about this kind of vague term, maturity. You also, in what you just said to me, you've kind of led us into our second point, because a lot of this initially obviously takes care of the internal within the four walls look at your company to make sure that you're all aligned inside across of all of your functional silos that you know seem to be an inevitable aspect of any organization <laughs> now you got to look outside and we here's this phrase that uh, i don't always understand because it's just ballied about so much end-to-end synchronization or end-to-end synchronization and orchestration what does that mean to you first of all what does end-to-end mean to you <laughs> i think everybody has a different definition if we go again with another definition okay <laughs> yeah it, i think for me personally end to end is from my supplier's supplier to my customer's customer mm. now i don't know that any one vendor solution consultant really has the ability to provide end to end i think realistically we have like pieces of that end to end puzzle that that we can put together and i think that that's probably acceptable, Bob, right? Like if you think about like, especially really large brands and manufacturers, right? I mean, could you as an individual really look at 
all of Procter & Gamble or all of Unilever and orchestrate all of it simultaneously? Or do we need to think about it in terms of regions and business units yeah. and things of that nature? But so I think you have to kind of split it into kind of pragmatically into some pieces that make sense. But you you don't want to split it up in such a way that you're sub-optimizing one of your supply chains. And really specific about that, most companies have multiple supply chains. They don't actually have one. They have a, a low-cost supply chain or they have a U.S. supply chain or they have a Mexico supply chain, right? So most companies have multiples. I think you have to really take a hard look to say, well, what do I need to really optimize versus sub-optimize and to orchestrate kind of those pieces together? And it is going to vary by organization, I recommend, generally speaking, to kind of think about this is like you can eat the entire elephant one bite at a time. So <laughs> maybe you start with, I want visibility into transportation. And then you add to that, I want visibility and the ability to execute, not just with my logistics partners, but with my contract manufacturers. And then I'm going to add in my raw material and my ingredient suppliers. And so I think you can you can start to aggregate kind of over time what end to end you're really focused on. Again, this theme of gradualism seems to come up with everything we're talking about today, which is very interesting. And it kind of well, takes I'm, away I'm the engineer. intimidation factor. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, one can feel one can be intimidated by the need to do all this stuff. But when you lay it out in the way you just did, it becomes a lot less intimidating and a lot more possible to achieve, which is really interesting. Now, you talk about different companies having multiple supply chains, but within each of those supply chains, they have multiple mm -hmm. tiers of suppliers. And they do. Just doing this with a tier one supplier is one thing, but how many companies have achieved or how hard is it is it to achieve that visibility beyond tier one, two, three, four, and what they call the end tier all the way back? Isn't that still a challenge for so many companies? I would say it's a challenge for 90 or more percent of the companies on the planet, Bob. I think what we kind of see is that's an area where really great business processes and, to, and, and people don't really get you past the fact that there are specific tools that are designed for that in-tier visibility, most notably in this realm of what we would call like multi-enterprise. So there's multiple acronyms there, depending upon who you talk to in terms of analysts and, and influencers. It could be a multi-enterprise collaboration network or a multi-enterprise supply chain business network. Or at the end of the day, what's important there is there are platforms that are designed to deliver that multi-enterprise connectivity and integration and collaboration. There's just no way to get around having them if you want that in-tier visibility. Now, to move on to the next big point to think about, uh, tools. We've talked a lot about tools. We haven't talked as much about people and process. I mean, the tools, of course, are essential, but they require, do they not, a change in business process and what do you do with your people? Where do they need to be? Where do they come into the picture? I mean, can you talk a little bit more about those other two parts of what really is kind of a three-legged stool? If you have a bad process and you buy a new tool and you never fix the process, you still have a bad process. The tool doesn't fix that, right? So I think it's critically important when we're embarking on this journey to improve our supply chain maturity or this journey to digitization that we actually, in my opinion, we should think about the people first would be my recommendation. Mm -hmm. What kind of change 
can my organization really deal with, right? Do I have the right people? Have I provided the right education and training and support? And then beyond that, let's take a hard look at our business processes. They might have supported our business 20 years ago. Have we looked at them recently? How has the world changed? I mean, I think for most companies, it's changed pretty dramatically in the last three to five years. And many companies have not taken a critical look at the processes that they're utilizing to make decisions, to analyze their data, to determine what the best course of action is. So I personally, I I hate to see companies that just jump to a technology. I think you have to really take a critical look at your people, your business processes, kind of where you're at. I do think you have to account for how receptive your organization is for change. Mm -hmm. It's good to push but you can't push too hard because then you don't get adoption and then you don't get value. So what about the people, though? Who are these people that have to be part of the new era of digitization and supply chain maturity? Do they have different skills than they had before? Are they in different positions? Who do we need in order to enable this on the human side? It's crazy to think about, but I think in some ways we have this glut, if you will, or, or this deficit where we just really don't have enough people in general So I think in order to overcome that, we really need people that have a very different skill set from what we had even five or 10 years ago. They need to be analytical. They need to understand data. They need to understand how to interface with technology. So I think a lot of the kids, if you will, younger millennials, Gen Z, they're digital natives. And I think they really embrace technology. I think the problem, however, is that companies have not made investments to keep up with that. So now we have some people out there, they understand technology, but we're kind of putting them on kind of old antiquated systems, green screen emulation, rows and columns and spreadsheets. And so I think there is a bit of a mismatch with what their expectations are, the skills they're coming out of trade schools and colleges with and the technology that we have in most businesses, unfortunately. Okay, so these first three big points, I just want to clarify this journey toward digitization. Are these things we've been talking about up to now necessary to lay the groundwork for digitization, or are they things that are enabled by digitization, or is it a combination of the two? I think it's a combination of the two. I think digitization at its core is about really moving into this realm where things are not as analog and they're more connected and and orchestrated within the ecosystem. I don't want to discount that technology is important because technology is a key enabler. I have to Mm -hmm. diagnose things. I have to be able to visualize them. Once I can visualize them, I can describe them. Once I describe them, I can start to predict what's going to happen. And once I am able to predict, I can then prescribe. So those technology capabilities kind of align to the maturity and to the digitization model so that at each step, I'm able to do more. I mean, I think 10 or 15 years ago, we were talking about kind of lights out manufacturing and lights out planning. And we were trying to make investments that jumped us there. And that doesn't work, Bob. It just doesn't in terms of a best practice because the tools, the AI, the artificial intelligence, it has to learn based on the actions that I take and what the outcomes are. So we have a lot of people that are really scared of technology right now. We're hearing a lot about natural language models and open AI, chat GPT. But honestly, based on what I've seen, 
the technology, it augments humans. It doesn't replace humans. We're still really, Mm. really important to the process. You mentioned the uh, magic words, best practices. I wonder if you could then share with me some best practices of companies that have already come down a little bit of this road toward toward digitization. (laughs) What we see in leaders within this space are that they first take a really critical look at where they are today. Look, it's hard to look within your systems and, and be open and transparent about, you know what, there's like, we're not as good as we think we are, but I think leaders in supply chain utilize multiple assessment tools to determine where they are and what value could be delivered by really improving their maturity. The other best practice that I often see is dedicated teams. So it's really hard to work on projects in terms of digitization and fight the daily fires that supply chain often wields our way. So I think Mm. dedicated teams to work on continuous improvement, to work on business process changes and implementation of technology is really critically important. And then beyond that, I think it's looking for purpose-built solutions and subject matter experts that can help you. So one size does not fit all. When we think about even technologies that are a mile wide but an inch deep, that can be actually really problematic. So seeing a lot more trends in terms of the leaders utilizing what we would consider to be like edge solutions to complement their core investments and purpose-built solutions that, that really help based on the industry that they're competing in. So, Christine, tell me about Newology and where it fits in and how it aligns with some of the big main points we've been talking about today about the journey toward digitization. Absolutely. I spent 20 plus years as a practitioner, Bob, managing supply chains, doing product development on the physical side of manufacturing, if you will. And for me, part of the reason that I transitioned to technology is this multi-enterprise concept really spoke to me. I was utilizing planning tools. I had ERPs, but I was still offline a lot, right? And I was fighting fires and answering emails and phone calls and creating and recreating plans. It was really, really frustrating. And so Newology is indeed a multi-enterprise collaboration network. We really focus in fast-moving consumer goods. And that really spoke to me, which was how can I connect the brands and their suppliers, their contract manufacturers, their co-packers, their raw material and ingredient suppliers to them in a much more meaningful way, right? Without a time lag, high fidelity, without having to rekey data. And so that's the reason that it came to Newology. It's the area that we focus. And I'm really proud of the work that we're doing and how we're really pivotal in helping supply chains kind of move towards orchestrated ecosystem. Christine Barnhart of Newology, thank you so much for talking to me or taking me on the journey toward digitization and some of the big steps that companies need to take in order to realize that goal, as well as telling me a little bit about Newology as well. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Bob. I really love talking to you today. That was my conversation with Christine Barnhart of Newology, talking about the journey to supply chain digitization. We thank Newology for sponsoring this episode. 
We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast. We're streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read our Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter or X at SCBrain. And also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you have any comments or suggestions on this or any episode, email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.